1976, in the small town of Circleville, Ohio, residents began to receive anonymous letters that described personal and often embarrassing details of their lives. This continued for several years, with over a thousand letters received. Eventually, this led to at least one death, accusations of police cover-up, attempted murder, and a possible case of wrongful imprisonment. And the author of these letters is still unknown. Hello and welcome to the Fact and Suspicion podcast. I'm your host, Ben. And I'm your other host, Dan. And tonight's mystery is the case of the Circleville Rider. So who or what exactly is a Circleville Rider, Dan? All right. It starts in 1976. Circleville, Ohio is a really small town. And several citizens of Circleville start to receive these anonymous letters. And they have details about their personal lives in them. A lot of times it's embarrassing things or stuff that could be damaging to them if it got out. And they seem really threatening that, that someone is anonymously sending them these letters. Were they true for the most part? Yes. Oh, yes, okay. mostly true. Some of the stuff was false accusations, just rumors. But a lot of the stuff was true. Okay. And uh, I, I can get into some of the specifics of it later on. But there were several things, actually, about different people that, that were proven to be true later on. Interesting. Okay. And uh, now these, the interesting thing was this happened in Circleville, Ohio. Uh, none of the letters had a return address or anything like that, but they were postmarked in Columbus, which was about 25 miles away. And this, this goes on for quite some time. And finally, in 1977... Mary Gillespie starts receiving letters from the Circleville Rider. And um, the first letter she receives uh, says that the writer knows that Mary is having an affair with Gordon Massey. So Mary is a school bus driver, and Gordon Massey is the superintendent of schools. And uh, Mary maintains that she was not having an affair with Gordon. And to this day, she says she was not having an affair with Gordon Massey at that time. Was there any evidence to the to the contrary? Um, there's some evidence that we'll get to a little later on, but but she still says that at that point she was not having an affair with him. Okay, so and, at least her claim is that this was misinformation. Yes. Okay. And uh, she didn't tell her husband about it. She just kept it secret, and she kept getting these letters. That's uh, a little well, suspicious, but okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, maybe. Uh, One of the letters she got actually said, I know where you live. I've been observing your house and know you have children. This is no joke. Please take it serious. I assume she did have children. Yes, she did have have children. And grammar mistakes aside, that's that's a very threatening letter. Yeah, no question. I would definitely have gone to the police with that. But she still kept it a secret. Wait, wait, wait. Someone threatened her children? And she still kept it a secret? Yes. And I think that's probably because she was actually having an affair with him and didn't want to know. That's certainly what that seems like to me. But okay, <laughs> but moving on. I mean, unless her priorities later, are just, just yeah. in a really weird place. Okay. Oh, I think so. Yeah, definitely. But, but, you know, moving on. Like a few weeks later, her husband, Ron, actually receives one of these letters. And uh, his letter says that he has to go to the school board and tell them about the affair, or he's going to die. Wait, this was her husband? Her husband gets the letter. And you know, her husband discusses it with her, and she tells him that, he, that she's been getting these letters as well. 
but they still don't go to the police about it, even though this letter, you know, threatens his life. Uh, which I still think is strange, but I guess they didn't want to make a big deal about her having an affair and, and throw the whole thing, you know, into a big deal for the whole town, right? Still a little bizarre, but I guess I can follow the logic a bit. All right. So uh, then Mary actually gets a letter that says that if she didn't end the affair, that the writer is going to put it up on billboards and broadcast it on CB radio that she's been having an affair with Gordon Massey. Did he provide any evidence at any point in these letters? No. And, and generally the letters didn't have any kind of evidence. They just had claims. Right. But like I said, a lot of the stuff was actually proven to be true later on. So what Mary and Ron do at this point, they try to get some of their family to help them out with this, try to figure out what's going on. So they call up Ron's sister, Karen, and her husband, Paul Freshour. And they all get together and discuss this. And Mary tells them who she thinks is actually writing the letters. She thinks it's a man named David Longberry who had been making advances toward her. He was also a school bus driver. Okay. And he seemed like he wanted to be in a relationship with her. And he was very jealous about it. So she thought he was sending the letters, making these accusations. Okay, so just a spurned lover? I wouldn't say spurned because they were never actually together, according to her. Right. But, but yeah, the, something like that. But th- this isn't the same guy that he that the Circle of the Rider said claimed she was having an affair with, right? No. The, okay. the Circle of the Rider claimed she was having an affair with Gordon Massey, who was the superintendent of schools. Okay, gotcha. David Longberry is another bus driver that was interested in her, okay. even though she was married and, and made advances toward her. So they decide to write their own Circleville letter, an anonymous letter, and send it to David Longberry. And the letter said that they knew what he was doing and that he needed to stop immediately. Okay, that's, And the letters did stop for a few weeks. That's still a bit strange. It and is that's strange. That's the solution they came up with. It is really strange. though. I think that if she really thought it was this person and really thought he wasn't dangerous and he was just, you know, making these these claims to bother her because she she didn't wouldn't give him the time of day, I right. can kind of understand it that they didn't want to go to the police about it and make a whole big thing about the superintendent of schools having an affair. You know, that'd be a big deal. He'd probably lose his job. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But like I said, the letter stopped for a few weeks. Uh-huh. But then signs started showing up around town. Oh. Uh, there were little handwritten signs, and most of these signs said that Gordon Massey, the man that they had been accused that had been accused in the letter of having an affair with Mary, right? That Massey was having sex with Ron and Mary's twelve-year-old daughter. Now that's a claim, and this really got under Ron's skin. It really bothered him. He would get up every morning uh, before he went to work and go around town and try to take these signs down. With Ron being so upset and this obviously bothering him so much, it's no surprise that when he finally received a telephone call from who we expect to be the Circleville Rider. Right. And we don't actually know what was said on the telephone call, but we know that when Ron got off the phone, he was very angry and he said, I knew that's who it was or something along those lines. We don't know exactly what he said. I can't find that exactly, but he insinuated to his family that because of that phone call, he knew who the writer was, and he was going to go put a stop to it. But why wouldn't he say who it was? This whole situation just seems really bizarre. Well, it's about to get much more bizarre. Because okay. when Ron gets off the phone, he's very angry. He storms out of the house and takes his gun. 
He gets in his truck and drives away. And very shortly after that, he is found dead in his truck. The truck was wrapped around a tree. He had apparently hit a tree and died. However, a single shot had been fired from his gun at some point before he died. And this was only a few minutes later. Now, that is bizarre. Seems to suggest it might not have been a uh, uh, just a car crash. Exactly, right. But he he's not... He doesn't seem to have been injured in any way that doesn't suggest it was the car crash that killed right. him. Uh, however, his blood alcohol level was 0.16, which oh. is really strange because that's really high. And his family insists he wasn't a heavy drinker at all. I mean, if he was angry enough to take his gun somewhere, I mean, that I mean, is it really a, a stretch to assume there might have been some alcohol involved here somewhere? No, I don't think so. And I think as much as this situation with the signs about his daughter was bothering him, yeah, they could have driven him to drink more as well. Right. Do we know how long it was in between when he left with the gun and when roughly when the car crash happened? I do not know exactly. Like, what I'm asking is, it, would it have been long enough for him to like stop at a bar to get some drinks? No. No, it was... Most accounts say it was less than an hour. So he'd probably have had to have been drinking before he left then. Yes. Definitely okay. think he was drinking before he left. Which which does make sense, you know, with everything bothering him so much. I can see why he'd be drinking. Right. And if he would have been drinking, that may also make sense as to why he would make a bad decision of running out with his gun ready to shoot someone, right? I mean, in in the recent past, there had been accusations that both his wife and his wife had been having an affair and his daughter had been molested. So Yeah, the, this the was man, the same guy, right? He had to have been in bad headspace, right? Oh god, yeah. But the sheriff rules this an accident. Uh-huh. Uh, and like I said, the family did not agree with it. They thought it was really strange that he had such a high blood alcohol level and no one ever figured out where he fired that gun. And they never found a shell casing on the scene either. Is there any idea how recently the gun had been fired? No. They only know that it was fired at some point after he left the house. Uh, I'm not sure how the police determined that. Maybe there was gun residue on his hands? I don't know even if in, in the 70s they, did they have the gun residue tests? You're asking the wrong person. I, I, I don't no even idea. know about that. But I know there are ways to tell if a gun has been fired. Right. And I would imagine that it was still warm because the police said he had to fire it after he left the house. Right, right. So I, I, I imagine, I mean, the police determined that. And okay. I don't think they would let that information out just because it was making their investigation more difficult. Right. Right. So I'm going to believe the police on that. I mean, that seems reasonable. Right. Um, but, you know, like I said, Ron dies. And after the investigation, uh, several residents of Circleville get letters accusing Sheriff Radcliffe of covering up Ron being murdered. Interesting. That, that almost sounds like it might be the family if they were the ones it, that... It does, doesn't that it? weren't convinced, right? It does, because it doesn't seem like someone that was threatening him and his family would then come out and say, oh, the sheriff's covering up his yeah, murder, right? That, that, that sort makes of, no sense. Yeah. So it I sounds like we have multiple riders at this point. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would agree. So uh, sometime after Ron's death, Mary and Gordon Massey admit that they're in a relationship. Ah. Now, Mary says that they, this didn't start until after Ron's death. Right, right. But... But Gordon left his wife for her, and 
I do not believe that so, she was not Ma- having an affair with him. So Mary's full of shit, basically. Mary's, Mary's, yeah, she's full of it. And I, I don't believe for a minute that she was not having an affair with Gordon Massey before hey, this. Why else would she not have gone to the police with those letters? Unless, oh, yeah. she was, unless she was worried about that information specifically getting out. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. I don't think, I think that she would have told her husband, gone right. to the police and everything if she hadn't been having the affair. I mean, her child was threatened. Yeah, exactly. And she and she did, does nothing. Well, but things are making at least a little more sense now. So they are making more sense. But let's let's continue the story. Okay. Uh, things calmed down until 1983. How long is that in between? Well, this is 77 okay. when Mary started getting the letters right. so and Ron died. So things calmed back down until 1983. All right. Uh, the letters stop, but then in '83, Mary starts seeing signs again along her bus route, uh, threatening signs, signs that say stuff about her daughter, things like that. And she's just all the time stopping and taking them down, you know? That's strange. So one day, uh, I think Mary, I'm not sure if she was on her bus route or was on her way to work. The The details get con- conflicted depending on the article I'm picking it up from. Right. But she sees a sign that's targeted toward her, and she stops. She goes to take the sign down. And behind the sign, like there's a string coming off the sign and it goes into this box and it's a wooden box with a gun in it. And it's this booby trap that was designed to shoot her when she pulled the sign down. Dear Lord. How crazy is that? That That's insane. Did, the, did she try to open it? Um, I mean, she looked in the box and saw what it was, but it was, it didn't go off. It was supposed to, when she pulled the sign down, it was supposed to pull the string and right. pull the trigger on the gun and shoot her. But it didn't happen. It didn't, it didn't go off. So she calls the police. Oh, so, so we're calling the police now. The police come and investigate and the gun, it appears that someone has very poorly tried to scrape off the serial number. Okay. But they're still able to read the serial number and they trace the gun back to Paul Freshour. Wait. Wasn't that the, the brother-in-law? Yes. That was Ron's sister's husband. Part Paul. of the brain trust that Part of decided the brain trust. to. Right. Okay. So Interesting. The plot thickens, right? Indeed. The sheriff goes to Paul and Paul says, yeah, this is my gun, but I've lost track of it a few years ago. I haven't seen it in a long time. And he shows the sheriff where he kept the gun uh, or where he used to keep the gun, obviously. Right. And then the sheriff takes him in. And wants to do a handwriting test to see if he might be the writer of the letters. Okay. Well, here's where the investigation gets really weird because before he has Paul write down the stuff from the letter, try to copy it down, he actually hands him an actual copy of one of the letters with actual handwriting. You know, it's it's not a typed out. It's it's an actual copy of the letter. But with the original sent. handwriting on it. The original handwriting on it. Okay. Tells him to study it and then try to replicate it on a piece of paper. And he did this? And he did it. Paul did it. He just wrote it himself, wrote it out. You see, this is why we have attorneys. Because I'm not locking where this is going for Paul. And then they used the the letter that Paul wrote out while looking at the other letter to prove that he was the writer, to prove that the handwriting was the same. The, The man was literally trying to emulate the handwriting style. Right, that's what they ask him to do. So they ask him to do, they use that, give it to a handwriting expert. The handwriting ex- expert 
testifies that this man wrote both letters and, you know, Paul ends up being convicted of attempted murder. All right. So outside of the gun and the shenanigans with the letter, was there any other reason to suspect that he might've been involved? Was there anything going on maybe inside the family that might've pointed towards him? Well, he did take off work the day that, that Mary found the booby trap. Was there any explanation given for that? Well, he just said he, he took off work, but he did have a solid alibi. He had several people that put him at his house, people that came by his house to see him and things like that. So he had a really solid alibi. And okay. he never took the stand in his own defense. I, I, don't, I don't make anything of that one way or the other. No, Sometimes and, defense attorneys just don't want their clients on the stand. Right? Well, and his attorney had good reason for that. Apparently, the judge... I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think the judge was going to allow so many of these letters to be uh, evidence. I, I want to say it was between 25 and 50. I don't remember the exact numbers. However, if Paul took the stand, the judge was going to allow, I think it was 300 of the letters to be right. used as evidence. Okay. And the defense attorney just felt like... It just wasn't worth it. That wasn't worth it to put all these others' letters into evidence and make Paul look so bad because they already had a handwriting expert, say expert they saying they were his, even though the entire test was ridiculous. It shouldn't have been admissible at all. What was the motive, supposedly? You know, who knows? Who knows what the motive was? It was just the gun and the handwriting they they convicted him on. I mean, they didn't have it. Like, the prosecutor didn't have some sort of theory of the case, like why he would have wanted to do this. I mean, some people believe, and the prosecutor did suggest that he was upset that his brother-in-law died because Barry was having this affair. Right. And wanted revenge. That makes some sense anyways. But, but it doesn't make sense if he was writing the letters to start with. He would have caused the death, so it, that doesn't make sense. Right, right. So, who knows? Who really knows? It, it doesn't make now, sense to me. Now, does no one thinks that he was the original Circleville writer, right? Like, even if they're convinced that he wrote the, the ones towards the end. Uh, like, no, the, the sheriff is convinced that he wrote all of them. But what was the idea? That... That her husband knew about the affair and it told him. Who knows? Who absolutely who knows? I don't it know. That's doesn't not make a lot of sense. No one thinks that's the case at all. I mean, no one knows why he would have written them. There's not a working theory of that. He was just convicted because of the handwriting and the fact that he owned the gun. Right. Now, Which, I mean, it's suspicious that he owned the gun, but like I said, he, he'd lost it two years before. Did he ever explain either a what he thinks might have become of the gun, or B, why he didn't report it when it was stolen. And you should always report guns stolen. You should always report guns stolen. Though I think maybe in the 70s, people didn't think it was as big a deal. I guess that's true. Uh, that's fair. And, you know, maybe he, he didn't know for sure what happened to it, and maybe he was afraid he'd get someone in trouble if someone took it and he didn't want to get them in trouble, you know? I don't know. I really don't know. He doesn't say why. I don't know. I, mean, I, I can at least find imagine plausible reasons for not doing so, right? Right. But, like I said, he was convicted. Okay. He sentenced to 7 to 24 years, and he goes away. Did the letters stop? No. The letters continue while he is in jail. Uh -huh. He's imprisoned in Lima, Ohio. The letters continue. They're postmarked from Columbus again. Uh -huh. So he was writing them. 
he had to give them to someone and have them smuggle the letters out and send them from Columbus. Seems like that'd be an awful lot of hassle. It does, doesn't it? And Sheriff Radcliffe is really frustrated. These letters are still going out. So he goes to the warden of the prison and he tells the warden, you have to do something about this. You have to stop him from writing these letters. So the warden puts Paul Freshour in solitary confinement and the letters still don't stop. How long was he in solitary over this? Several months. Man, that is cruel. And the letters continue to go out. And the warden actually concludes that Paul Freshour is not the Circleville writer. It makes sense. But it doesn't do any good. The sheriff's still convinced. He's still convicted. You know, Sheriff Radcliffe still thinks he's writing these letters. Paul actually gets a letter in jail. And the letter says, now, when are you going to believe you aren't getting out of there? I told you two years ago, when we set them up, they stay set up. Don't you listen at all. And what is that supposed to mean exactly? I don't know what it means exactly, but it, it, it seems like they're rubbing it in that he's in jail for something he didn't do. Uh, right. Other than that, it kind of sounded like gibberish. It does. Like, though, like, a lot we? of these yeah. letters have sounded terrible that I've, I've read, so I don't know. I don't know. The, the Circleville writer wasn't extremely literate, apparently. Yeah, not, not especially bright, from what I can tell thus far. No. And what makes it even worse, when Paul came up for parole the first time, he was denied parole. Because the parole board felt like he was still writing these letters and he wasn't sorry for what he did. I assume he was still maintaining his innocence at this point? He was still maintaining he was innocent. Right. Even though the warden had said, this man's innocent, he's not writing the letters. Wait, did he speak on his behalf uh, in front of the parole board? No, but it was in his file, but the parole board didn't even look at that. They just saw what he had done and saw the letters were still going out and said, well, you're going to stay in here because you're still doing this. Uh, That's the justice system at work, huh? That is the justice system at work. Uh, So this man stays in prison until 1994, and he finally gets out, and he maintains his innocence the entire time. He started a website to try to clear his name, and he died in 2012, and we still don't know who wrote those letters for sure. Do we have any, any suspects, I mean, outside of Paul himself? Yes, well, there is Paul. There's one in the... In the back of my head that I've been wondering about for a while now. Well, who have you been wondering about? Uh, what was her name? The the one who initially got the letter. That was Mary. Having the Mary. Right. Um, is, that, is that even a possibility? Some people think it's a possibility that Mary wrote the letters. Uh, there's this theory that maybe Mary wanted to have an affair with Gordon Massey. So she started writing these letters hoping that it would bring something to fruition. Though honestly, that seems a little little out it there. It seems far fetched, right? I don't, I don't think that Mary would have started writing these letters to herself. I don't think that she would possibly think that if I start writing these letters, it'll get my husband out of the way and I can be with Gordon. Right? Could it so, have been the husband? Could he have found out? Again, I don't think so. I don't think it would have been Ron. Uh, it, I guess it could be possible, but they continued after he died. And, you know, she still kept being harassed. So I don't think Ron would have done that. I mean, I, I, mean, mean, I don't think that, I don't think Ron would have started that someone else would have continued it. Rather, Right. Now, it seems to me, and I, of course, this is just this is the first time I'm hearing about the story. But it seems to me like there had to have been multiple authors. So the way I see it, I feel like someone started writing these letters in 1976. And maybe the community just kind of picked up on it. Right. And thought, 
well, someone is sending these anonymous letters saying they know this dirt on this person. I know this dirt on this other person. I can send them a letter. And just it just sort of gets out of control when you have multiple people writing the letters. Right, right. I feel like. Uh, but then, obviously, someone had to send, start sending the letters to Mary and Ron Gillespie. And it had to have had some inside information, at least. Yes. Or at least it seems that way. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, they knew about the affair. One of the obvious suspects is David Longberry, who was who Mary initially thought was writing the letters. Who was he um, again? Oh, the, the bus driver? He was another bus driver. Yeah, right. the one that had made advances toward her. I and, that would make sense. And I... I think it makes sense that he was jealous and he knew something was going on with Mary and Gordon Massey and wanted to punish her, you know, for right. not dating him or, you know, sleeping with him instead. And an inter- interesting thing about David Longberry is that in 1999, he forcibly raped an 11 year old girl and has been on the run from the police ever since. Wait, on the run? He never got caught? He was never caught. He's still a fugitive. How is that possible? I don't know. I like in this day and age, how you can't find someone. Uh, what no what year was this again? Ninety nine. Okay, how do you just disappear like that in nineteen ninety nine and, and and remain disappeared to this day? Well, I mean, I guess if you get to Mexico before, uh, maybe so. Everyone's alerted. Maybe I don't know, but okay, that's, he's still no, a fugitive. That now. is an interesting piece of information, though. So obviously, this man was messed up, right? Do something like that. Oh yeah. So it's a possibility that he did that. And and someone, I think, that would rape an 11-year-old girl and make sense that he would make all these accusations about her 12-year-old daughter. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I thought about that myself. That's that's interesting. So is he like the the key suspect, uh, the, the internet suspect at least? He's one of them. Another major suspect is Paul Freshour's wife, Karen. Why exactly? Okay, so after Ron's death in 77... Mm-hmm. Paul and Karen divorced. Okay. And Karen actually moved into a trailer on Mary's property. Obviously, it was a bad divorce with her and Paul. Okay. And it's suspected that she set up the booby trap and had access to Paul's gun and wanted to frame him and have him sent to jail. I mean, that makes sense. Did Has Paul ever said anything about the gun going missing around the time of their divorce? No, it went missing... Well before the divorce. Okay. Uh, as far as I know. I could be wrong, but it seems like it went missing before the divorce. Right. Um, now, another detail about this, this is actually something that came out while Paul was in jail, is that another bus driver passed by the spot where Mary saw the sign with the booby trap mm-hmm. about a half hour before Mary did. And he saw a yellow El Camino parked on the side of the road there. Uh, with a man standing next to it. Did anyone drive a El Camino? Yes. Okay. Karen's boyfriend drove a yellow El Camino. Really now? Yes. And that with that coming out while Paul was in jail, that seems like that could have possibly been exculpatory evidence. Yeah. But nothing ever came of it. So that really points strongly at Paul's wife, Karen. It would also make sense if they had a bad divorce that she'd want to send him letters while he was in jail to rub it in. Um, and nothing so ever came of that? Nothing ever came of that. So Poor she's Paul. the other major suspect. And then, of course, there's Paul himself. Uh, right. The gun was his. And he did have a lot of inside information into the family. Right. So he, he had the opportunity, at least, to do so. Um, there's also been talk that it may have been a member of Gordon Massey's family, maybe his wife or his son, 
had found out about the affair and they wanted it to end, so they started sending the letters. Yeah. Uh, that, that's also a possibility. Is it possible that the person who sent the initial letters about the affair and the molestation and everything was completely different than the person years later? It's definitely possible. I think that's what it seems like to me, at least. I think it's very possible that David Longberry did start sending the letters. Right. And probably finished them after Ron's death. And then maybe Paul's wife, Karen, or Paul's ex wife, Karen, uh, started these things again in 1983 just with the purpose of framing Paul. Though that, that seems far fetched as well. That's a lot of work to send your ex husband to jail. Though the uh, the yellow the yellow El Camino sighting is it's quite a coincidence. It is. It really is. And it seems like someone really did want to set him up. I mean, I feel like if Paul had done it himself, he would have done a good job of removing the serial number on that gun. Right. I mean, God. I don't think he would have just you know done a shoddy job and left it where it could be detected. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine being set up by somebody who drives an El Camino. <laughs> Jesus. It was 1983. It was a different world. So. Fair enough. You know, so he, is, needed is the, that... he needed the back of that El Camino to haul the booby trap in, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Do we have any information on on how exactly that was set up? Like, Was it done competently in the slightest? You know, I really don't know because I think Mary probably sort of messed things up when she took the sign down and didn't fire. Right. So I don't know if police could really tell how well it was set up. It was a string that somehow, when you pull on the sign, it was designed to pull on the trigger. And maybe it was never designed to go off. Maybe it was designed just to just to look like someone tried to kill her, right? To frame someone. Right, right. I don't know. It just seems <laughs> like it'd be difficult to, you know, I, without knowing what kind of gun it was and the, the weight on the trigger pull, it'd be difficult to say. But using string for that seems a little dumb, to be honest. It does, but I mean, you, you've heard the grammar in some of these letters as well, right? That's true. Yeah. We're not dealing with geniuses here. No. And, um, I mean, it's, it's definitely strange, right? I, I don't see Paul Freshour setting up this booby trap in such a bad way. It wouldn't go off. He didn't remove the serial number from his own gun. Right. And why would he even want to kill Mary? Does he want revenge because his former brother-in-law died, you know? I mean, I don't know if he was that close to her, but Ron's sister had already divorced him at that point. I don't feel like right. he has a big tie to Ron to try to get vengeance, right? All of it's so bizarre. I mean, honestly, if you, if, if, okay, let's say that, you know, he, he really was angry about his brother's death, blamed her. Why not just shoot her then? Why go through the whole ordeal with the box and putting up exactly. the signs again? Exactly. That's why it seems to me someone had to have been maybe trying to frame him or just try to scare Mary. I don't think anyone really was trying to kill her. Obviously, someone could have just shot her if they wanted to. Right. But on the other hand, why why go through all this work to frame someone? It's, that, it's that a good question. And how did, how, I don't think these people are evil geniuses. I don't think they knew that all this would work and they would get get Paul put in jail, right? So, I mean, how how could they? None of it's particularly convincing. I mean, you'd have to have a really incompetent police department for this to work. I mean, which apparently they did. Yeah, I yeah, mean, that's, you, that's a plus. We, we discussed the writing test, right? Yeah, yeah, there was that. But that seems more like corruption than incompetence. Maybe it was. Maybe it was just lazy police work. 
Maybe the sheriff thought this was definitely him because the gun belonged to him. I don't know. It, it doesn't make sense, though. Have we ever seen, uh, have the samples ever been released? I have not seen the samples. I've seen copies of the actual letters written by the writer. I have not seen the samples of what Paul Freshour wrote. I mean, because, you know, it's possible that they're so similar that even if he was trying to copy them, you know, it could still be too similar, right? Yes. But something I didn't mention is that this was not written in cursive. These were written in block print. Oh, well, that so that makes it much easier to copy then, right? Exactly. It's not like... It, yeah, cursive is much more personalized. Right. I really should have mentioned that earlier, but it's this was all written in block print. This was not written in cursive. It's... It's so simple. I don't understand. If you're trying to copy the style of block letters, it's very easy to do. Right, right. Yeah, it'd be much easier than trying to copy someone's penmanship with uh, right. with cursive. I don't think you can tell someone they need to copy the style of this, these block letters and then use that to prove that they wrote the, the wrote both sets of letters. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, and so how long did Paul end up spending in prison over this? Um, I'm not sure if the trial was actually in '83. It may have been in '84. But he got out of jail in 94, so at least 10 years. Are there any interviews or anything with him? Has, has he spoken about it? He had a website, and he had several theories of things that could have been. But a lot of people felt like he was this crazy conspiracy theorist as well. So a lot of people don't put stock in what he said. I'd be interested to see what he had to say about it. Has Has anyone that was involved like spoken about it, given interviews? Um, not, it's been pretty much dead since the Unsolved Mysteries episode aired about it. Oh, when was that? Um, the, the Unsolved Mysteries episode aired in November of 1994. Okay. And Sheriff Dwight Radcliffe and Mary Gillespie both declined to be interviewed for it. And strangely enough, before Unsolved Mysteries aired that episode, they received a letter from the Circleville writer as well. Really now? Do we know what was in it? The It was actually a postcard that was sent to Unsolved Mysteries. It said, Forget Circleville, Ohio. Do nothing to hurt Sheriff Radcliffe. If you come to Ohio, you El Sickos will pay. El the Circleville Rider. El Sickos. So this was some sort of vigilante that was really concerned with the reputation of the local police? Apparently. Okay, that, so. that strikes me as a little strange. To be fair. Well, it's very strange. It obviously wasn't the same person that wrote all the letters because, because if you'll remember, after Ron's death, the letters accused Sheriff Radcliffe of covering up a murder. Right. And then this postcard that was apparently written by the Circle of Little Rider says, do nothing to hurt Sheriff Radcliffe. <laughs> it's I all mean, mysteries. This guy is either schizophrenic or we're just dealing with different people. I, I think. I think there were definitely different people. Yeah, the, the latter seems like the safer bet. You could call it copycats. I think it was something of a social phenomena that happened. I think one person started sending out these letters in 76. And, and it may have been one person for quite a while, but the community starts picking up, right? Like, oh, I have right. dirt on this person. You know, I have dirt on this person. They all start sending the letters. It makes sense that everyone tried to get in on the game if it's completely anonymous, right? So... Was Mary just one story of the Circleville Rider? Yes, just just one story. The obviously the most intriguing story because it involved a death and attempted murder. 
someone went to prison. Right. You, someone went to prison, and they basically said in the trial that this was the Circleville Rider. So, you know, that had a lot of attention. But there were other accounts in these letters that were proved to be true. Um, one of them was about um, the local coroner, the county coroner. His name was Dr. Ray Carroll. Right. He was accused by the Circleville Rider of being a pedophile. And he was later charged with 12 counts of gross immorality, sex crimes, corruption of a minor, pornography, obscenity, and indecent exposure. And that was in 93. Okay. Have, have we looked at the handwriting samples? Did they match uh, across a lot of these different, uh, a lot of the letters that were sent? You know, I've seen a few of the different letters and they all look similar, though, honestly, I feel like they're a bit different. It seems very difficult for any one person to have that kind of information on people. Exactly. I think it was probably multiple people. Right. Um, that does seem to be the, the best conclusion there. Now, one other thing, uh, there was another case. The local prosecutor, Roger Klein, uh, was accused of getting a school teacher pregnant in the letters, and that was later proven to be true as well. That's another one of the just one of the few instances of of these rumors turning out to be true in the letters. Yeah. I'd like to see the handwriting samples uh, just out of curiosity. Though, again, it, I don't know how any one person would have all this information. No, I don't either. I, I think it had to have been multiple people that wrote the letters. And then probably, you know, you had, I doubt it was the original writer that sent those letters to Mary Gillespie. I think there's a good chance it was David Longberry or maybe someone in Gordon Massey's family. Right. So the scumbag that was accused of pedophilia, do you know if there were any accusations in his past? I don't know. I only know that he was accused of it in the letters, though likely there were history. There's a history of it in the past because someone knew about it. Yeah, I was just wondering how someone might have known about it. I mean, it, it almost had to be someone close to him. It's all just so bizarre. It's, uh, it's a crazy case. You could almost call it mass hysteria, maybe, that this just took off like it did, and people started getting letters left and right. So the internet, I'm sure, is filled with all sorts of theories. Are there any people who think it may have genuinely been one writer the entire time? Some people, no. I don't think anyone thinks that one person wrote all the letters, except there are a few people that think Mary wrote all the letters, or maybe Mary was the original writer. I, I don't put much faith in this theory, but some people do think that because... Mary was a school bus driver. Right. She heard all these kids on her bus talking about their parents and stuff and heard dirt on them and was able to write all these letters. Yeah, that doesn't seem particularly convincing. Though I certainly understand why people suspected Mary. Her behavior was extremely suspect. Part of me thought the twist was going to be that it was her all along. Yeah, but I think her shady behavior was just because she was trying to cover up the affair. Right, right. right. Yeah, I mean, that, that does make sense. But I think I think it had to have been multiple writers... You had one person start it, multiple people did it, it caught on, and then someone targeted Mary Gillespie. I, I think it's very possible it was David Longberry, especially because we find out he forcibly raped an 11-year-old later. It seems like he was a damaged individual that would do terrible things, try to intimidate people. It makes sense he would have written those initial letters. Right. And I suppose he could have been the one that, put up the signs later and set up the booby trap as well. I don't know how he would have necessarily had access to seal Paul Freshour's gun, but I, it's definitely possible that he did that as well. 
Now, were these on her bus route? Because that would also make sense too. If you yes, they were they were on her bus route. Of course, the detail that doesn't add up there is how he would have gotten access to the gun. No, but everything else would make sense for David Longbeard to have done. Right, I feel like no, no, that 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 makes sense. And he seems like to me the most likely candidate, though I think it could have been a separate person that started to back up in 1983. Right, right. I mean, he's definitely the biggest scumbag out of the people we've discussed thus far. Well, maybe not more than the coroner. But, right, right, yeah. But the I, coroner I was, was never a suspect that. for doing any of this. So right, right. I would say there's a good chance it was David Longberry. And I can't say that for sure, but I do know that it's so bizarre. And I mean, there's not if... a lot of convincing evidence one way or the other. No. Just some intriguing informa- bits of information here and there. Intriguing, and I don't know if anyone will ever get to the bottom of this unless someone comes out and just admits to it. Yeah, I probably wouldn't hold my breath. No, but I really, I would like to think, and the person may not even be alive anymore, this started in the 70s, but I would love it if the person who actually started writing the letters in 76 would come out and, and own that. So we'd at least know, and, and maybe they could say, I didn't do this to Mary Gillespie, but I did start this whole trend. Right. That so, would be nice. <laughs> what do you think about Mary's husband? Uh, probably a, a genuine car crash or what? That's the biggest part of the mystery to me, right? Maybe maybe he was holding the gun when he when he ran to the tree and it just happened to fire. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe he was just driving down the road and shot up into the air out of anger. I don't know. So I, I assume that they thoroughly checked the vehicle for... Uh, for any bullet holes? They could not find any damage that the gun would have done to the vehicle, mm-hmm. and they never found a shell casing. Uh, uh, did they the check the, uh, the path he would have taken, like just in case he would have shot it like outside the window or something? Did they that, check I the don't road? know. I don't know if they did that. I've, I've never read that information anywhere. I'm just curious. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Though, honestly, I feel like if you... We just fired a gun driving down the road. It would be hard to find that shell casing. Uh, yeah, no, no, definitely. But I can certainly see that happening, particularly with that kind of alcohol in his system and the rage mm-hmm. he must have been feeling. Yeah, or he may have gone. Like, for all we know, he may have driven to whoever's house he thought it was, shot the gun off outside the house just to scare them, and then you know maybe been on his way back when he had the wreck. I don't know. So that brings up an interesting question. Do they not know whether he was coming or going at the time of the crash? It it did look like he was going at the okay. time, like the way he wrecked. It, it appeared that he was going. So was anybody that it could have potentially been in the direction that he was headed? That I don't know. That information never came out. Um, the I don't think the police really investigated too much. I know Dave. I know. Excuse me, Dwight Radcliffe, the sheriff, did question one person as a suspect but then ruled it to be an accident. And I don't think it was ever released to a question. Okay. So for me, the most frustrating thing about this is how the family chose to deal with it. I mean, if the father was convinced he knew who it was, why wouldn't he say something? Well, if he was inebriated to the point of having a 0.16 blood alcohol level, I don't know if he'd be making a lot of sense. And could we have even trusted his judgment at that point anyways, right? Probably not, especially if he wasn't much of a drinker. Right. You know, if you if you don't drink much and then you have a blood alcohol level of 0.16. Oh, that's that's hospitalization levels, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not making any sense, right? You're not no. gonna. He may have slurred something going out the going out the 
at the door, you know, but he seemed to be very angry. And he's like, and, and, and his family got the idea that he knew who it was after he got off the phone, went out the door with his gun and, and died. So they got the idea that he knew who it was. Like they don't even know whether the phone call he had was contentious. No, he was, he was definitely angry on the phone. That was definitely a contentious call. Okay. But they don't know who it was that called him. And I can't find any definitive information of his family saying exactly what he said. All I read is that they got the idea that the call had confirmed his suspicions of who, of who the writer was. Do you know if their phone records were ever checked? I don't know that you can actually check the phone records of landline calls from the seventies. Yeah, I don't either. seems like you should be able to. I I mean, I, I of course, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think that stuff was saved on a computer. Yeah. Back then. I mean, uh, how would it have been logged exactly? Maybe not. I don't know. So uh, that's just something I don't think you can get hold of. Maybe in larger cities you could, but I don't think in a small town that's right. possible. If it was, then maybe that's who the sheriff investigated and questioned. Right. But right. like I said, oh, that, right. that name was never, never released. So Okay. So, Ben, do you have any more questions about? The Circleville letters. I mean, I think you've answered uh, everything that I have, at least. Uh, I mean, it's it's a little frustrating that we don't have more information. It seems like most of the good questions, there's just no answer to. No. But I think what's so interesting about this is how bizarre it was. Just no, the it crazy certainly things that is. Happened. And these, these things really happened. This is not fiction. But I like this case just, just because of I mean, in a proper fiction it book, yeah. it would have been one person. And we'd have found out who it was. It'd be a much, much more satisfying conclusion. And they would have had a good motive as well. But as it is, we don't know the motive. We don't know who started all this. I think I think it's very clear that we had multiple writers. Yeah, I mean that that seems that seems clear to me as well. But no, we don't know we don't know why. We don't know exactly who. We have our suspicions, but right. we don't know who it was. Well, I think that about sums it up, too, and I hope everyone enjoyed the story.